0: Bibles to Exodus 20 as we continue with our sermon series on the Ten Commandments. we got just a few weeks left and we will be through this series. I know some of you may be thinking, Ooh, I should be glad we get the end of it. Uh, <laughs> but today I want us to look at the one verse, verse 15. Pretty simple, I'm using NASB. It says uh, four words, You shall not... Steal. That's pretty simple, right? You'd think so. Let's pray. Father, open the, the ears of our understanding, uh, the eyes of our understanding. Open our hearts that we may grasp what you are saying to us, what this commandment tells us. And Father, I pray that each one of us would would be open, would allow your blessed Holy Spirit to search throughout the chambers of our heart and throughout our life to see if and if we are how, we're guilty of breaking this commandment. In Christ's name, amen. Now, I may have told you this story. Uh, ever since I was a little kid, one of my favorite characters of fiction literature and favorite movie characters was Robin Hood. I mean, I love Robin Hood. Even when I was a kid, my, my grandmother, she made uh, one of those little felt green pointy hats. I mean, that's what turned me on to, to shooting a bow years and years ago. And a matter of fact, and of course, the rest of the girls aren't here, but Marcia can vouch for this and the other girls. I spent a lot of years and a lot of money and a lot of time traveling shooting archery tournaments. Uh, actually, I won state, uh, several state tournaments, regional tournaments, qualified for the World Police Fire Games several times. And I loved archery. And it all started because of my love for Robin Hood. I remember I read, first read that book. It was written in 1883. Now, of course, I wasn't alive then, but Howard Powell wrote it. I read it when I was just a kid. You know, The Adventures of Robin Hood and His Merry Men. And then I remember the first time that I saw the 1938 version of Robin Hood that had Errol Flynn in it. I was sold from that point on. And I've loved every version of Robin Hood since then. Uh, you know, the the... Uh, what, 91 version that had uh, Kevin Costner in it, and I think it was around 2010, the version with Russell Crowe. Now, I haven't seen the latest one that came out a couple years ago. Don't even know the guy who plays Robin Hood, uh, but I think he's an Englishman, so it's got to be better than the one with Kevin Costner years ago. But uh, I love Robin Hood. Then you know, when you think about it, the excitement in those stories and those movies, the, the sword fights, the romance, you know, the legendary archery skills. I mean, let's face it, Robin Hood's a fun character. I mean, when you think of somebody who's handsome, dashing, romantic, compassionate, kind, and loyal, well, old Robin Hood fits that bill. But I'm going to tell you, there's one thing about Robin Hood that I have to force myself to forget, or either if I don't forget, it ruins both the character and the story. You know what that is? The bottom line is Robin Hood was a thief. He was a crook. I mean, even though he stole from the rich and gave to the poor, the end doesn't justify the means. I mean, folks, a right motive does not justify a wrong method. Although his motive may have been right, Robin Hood was both the robber and the hood. Now, the reason why everyone even knows the name Robin Hood is because in the story he spends his whole life doing one thing for sure and certain. That's breaking this Eighth Commandment. Breaking the commandment that is so simple that says, Thou shalt not steal. Now, unfortunately, America today, I think, is full of a bunch of Robin Hoods. Let me read you something. Years ago, this came out. A story in uh, USA Today. They had a story entitled, How Honest Are Americans? This is the way it begins. Is stealing as Americans as apple pie? How honest is the average person would you steal if you knew for sure you was not going to get caught? Did you ever feel you would be justified in stealing from your employer? Have you ever felt that the temptation to steal can just be too strong to resist? Anyone looking for an honest man or woman in the U.S. today would have lots of problems, according to uh, Lucignath and Associates. It's a pre-employment testing place in Las Vegas, Nevada which I would question them being in Las Vegas Nevada, but that's different. They said out of 7,443 people that were tested for honesty, listen to this, 52% were ranked as low desirability for employment because they admitted to stealing or thinking about stealing regularly or said they would steal if they thought that they had a good enough reason to steal. Well, folks, we're going to learn in just a few minutes in this short message this morning. And I don't say short because of what Ben said. And I know I'm actually making fun and teasing you because when I say short, you know better than that. It may be, but who knows. Uh, We're going to learn this morning, folks, there's more than one type of stealing and more than one way to steal. You don't have to crack a safe or or pick a pocket. bank up with a gun in order to be a thief. And I'll tell you, the big problem is I, in our culture is our attitude towards stealing has greatly changed over the past 25 or 30 years. There was a story told of a, a teacher. She asked her class, she said, now kids say that you find a briefcase that has $1 million in it. What would you do? Well, one of the boys raised his hand. He said, well if it belonged to a poor family I'd return it. If not, I would keep it for myself. Now Get this, I think that perfectly speaks of our culture today. How many poor families you know are going to have a briefcase with a million dollars in it? Are you following me? Now listen, folks, incidentally, in case you think this is one commandment I know for sure I hadn't broken, I want you to think about this. If you have broken any of the other seven prior commandments, you have automatically broken the eighth commandment. I mean, if you've broken the first commandment, you've stolen from God the honor that's due Him and Him alone. If you've broken the second commandment, you've stolen from God the worship that is due to Him alone. If you've broken the third commandment, you've stolen from God the dignity that God deserves and desires. If you've broken the fourth commandment, you've stolen from God the day that belongs to the day. If you've broken the fifth commandment, you've stolen from your parents the respect that God demands you give them. If you've broken the sixth commandment, you've stolen either another person's life or another person's reputation. And friend, if you've broken the seventh commandment, You've either stolen another person's mate or another person's sexual purity. Now this commandment is one of the most important commandments that God ever gave to the home and the family for one simple reason. A great lesson that parents need to teach their children is how to live with honesty and integrity. And I believe that this commandment does that in four short words. You shall not steal. Now, in those four short, simple words, I think God gives us three great life lessons. Number one, the first one, if you're taking notes, the first lesson is respect what God has given to others. Now, here's a verse I want you to write down if you're taking notes. Ephesians 4, verse 28. Because I want you to think about something. There are only three ways that you can ever come into any kind of property that you're on. And this verse explains those three ways. Ephesians 4:28. Paul says, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his hands, with his own hands, what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Now, did you listen carefully? Did you catch those three ways that anybody, if you have something, the three ways you can possess it? One is you either get it by stealing it, Two, you get it by working for it. Or three, you have it because you received it as a gift and somebody else gave it to you. So therefore, anything you have, friend, that you've not earned or received as a gift or an inheritance, you have stolen. And that makes you a thief. Now we all know, obviously, the meaning of this commandment would be the actual physical taking of something from somebody else, whether you do it by force, by stealth, uh, by deceit, or whatever it is. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether it's by gunpoint in broad daylight or breaking into a window somebody's house in the cover of darkness. It doesn't matter to God whether it's a piece of candy or a piece of jewelry, uh, whether it's a dime or a dollar. It doesn't matter, friend, whether the person you're taking it from is rich or not. God says it's Stealing, and God condemns it. Thou shalt not steal. By the way, you do understand this, don't you? There's no such thing as stealing privately. All stealing is public. So what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, God sees every act of theft that takes place. You agree with that? Say amen. God's sovereign. There's nothing going to escape His glance. Nothing escapes His view, okay? I think God probably gets a kick out of the way some of these robbers try to disguise their crime. You know, a thief will wait for the cover of darkness to break into somebody's house. Uh, a bank robber, he'll put on a mask before he walks into a bank or, or a little kid. He'll look all around him in the store, make sure nobody's watching before he grabs that piece of candy. Well, let me tell you something. The fact of the matter is God knows it because God sees through the darkness. God sees through the mask and God is always watching. Job, that's the reason he says in Job thirty four twenty one. 21, this out of the Living Bible. God carefully watches the going-ons of all mankind. He sees them all. He knows the darkness. There is no darkness too thick to hide evil men from His eyes. Nothing escapes God's view. You know, I, I love that story, and I'm sure many of you heard this story. There was a thief that was breaking into a, an empty house one night, and he, he got the window up, and he stepped into the living room, and just as he did, he heard a voice say, I see you, and Satan saint sees you, you better leave. The guy just froze. He thought, oh, no, I'm busted. And so he began to look around. He heard the voice again. I see you, and saint sees you. You better leave. Kicked his flashlight on pointed over the corner, and there was a, a big old parrot in the cage. And he said, you stupid bird. And he went over and turned the light switch on. That's when he noticed the 200-pound German Rottweiler sitting under the parrot's cage. And about that time, that parrot said, sick him, saint. Listen, folks, God always sees, God always knows, God always watches. You can't steal anything that God doesn't take note of it. There are other types of stealing. For instance, shoplifting. That's a crime that has has skyrocketed over the past 20 years here in America. Shoplifting. Stores done everything they could to try to, to stem the tide, but to no avail. I mean, they've got sophisticated uh, alarm systems. They've got sophisticated locking systems, exit scanners, entry scanners, electronic tagging, all this other stuff. But do you realize, and I've done some research on this last couple of days, every day in America there are 550,000 instances of shoplifting. And every day in America, $25,000 a minute is lost in retail due to shoplifting. That comes out to $35 million a day. Over $13 billion a year from shoplifting. And you know what's even more amazing? If you'll study on this, shoplifters, the vast majority of them, they either deny their shoplifters or they make excuses for it. Now it reminds me of a guy was standing before a judge just a few days before Christmas. And the judge was in a benevolent mood. It was the holiday season. This young man was standing there and the judge looked at him and said, Son, what are you charged with? The young man said, doing my Christmas shopping early, Your Honor judge said what he said son that's not on the fence how early were you shopping he said about two hours before the store opened up <laughs> let me tell you another theft that has skyrocketed in america and that's the employee theft it's become a huge huge problem you can look this up on the internet the u.s chamber of commerce reports that 50 billion annually is lost due to employee theft and fraud employee theft is the fastest growing crime in america uh and I thought this was amazing. And then I continued reading. 75% of employees admit they've stolen at least once. Half of that 75%, 375 admit that they've stolen more than twice. In fact, employee theft and fraud and shoplifting together account for the largest source of property crime committed annually in the United States. You say, what has that got to do with this? Well, we're talking about a thief is always a thief. We're talking about stealing. Listen to what Amos in the Old Testament, Amos 8.5 said. They make the ephah small and the shekel great and falsify the balances by deceit. What kind of stealing is he talking about? He's talking about those that overcharge, use false measures, and fix the scales to cheat customers. Now you hear about this all the time. I'm not making this up. Some of you probably experienced it. I'm not saying all of them are like this. But a repairman will tell you something needs to be fixed when it doesn't need to be fixed. Or a, a doctor going to send you to have some type of procedure or, or x-ray or test or whatever, and it's really not necessary. You say, oh, I can't believe doctors doctor do that. <laughs> I know what planet that you've been living on. Or this, folks, a salesman, he skips the fine print in the contract. Or, here's one, this may hit home with more of us. Somebody sells you a car, they say, oh, yeah, it's a cream puff. And they don't tell you that it leaks more oil than the Exxon Valdez. That's stealing. Here's another way. Uh, You may not think of this as stealing. Unpaid debts is stealing. Unpaid debts. Have you ever borrowed anything and forgot to return it? You say, oh, I've never done that. Oh, yeah. Take this challenge. Walk through your house and just take inventory. Do it. Just take inventory. Have you ever borrowed a book or anything else and you had not returned it? Do you have some money sitting in a bank account or sitting somewhere and you owe a debt and you refuse to pay that debt? That's stealing. Did you break something that belonged to somebody else and you failed to replace it or fix it? That's stealing. Now, you may not think any of this is stealing, but it makes you as much a thief as if you put on a mask and took it at gunpoint. And now, let me really irritate some folks. How about unpaid taxes? Hmm? Underreporting income or overstating deductions? Nick, do you ever have anybody try to tell you how to do your job in that area? Okay. Okay. <coughs> Now, let me make something real clear, folks. There's nothing wrong with tax avoidance. Now, let me explain. We ought to do everything we can to pay as little taxes as we can legally speaking. But there is something wrong with tax evasion. Tax evasion, that's simply stealing. And the bottom line is we need to respect what God's given to others and what rightfully belongs to others. Pay what you're supposed to pay. If not, you're stealing Number two, the second life lesson. Release what God wants you to give to Him. There are two things, folks, that that, that God has entrusted to you and I, to every person. And God expects us to use them for the good of others. First of all is your talent, your ability. Every person in this room has gifts and abilities that God has given them. And I know there are people all the time who say, no, I don't have any talents. I'm not talented. I beg the difference. Every person in this building, God has blessed you with a talent of some kind. You say, well, all I know how to do is sow. Then sow for Jesus. All I know how to do is, uh, is carpenter work. God bless the men that are working in the building next door. All I know how to do is this, preacher. Well, then do it for the glory of God. Everybody here has talents that they can use. And let me say this while I'm on this point. Maybe, maybe you, you have the ability, you have a talent that God's given you to sing. Do you realize if you're not using that talent, you're stealing from God? You say, I don't believe that. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you got a talent and you're refusing to use it, it's the same as stealing. Now, if you have the talent and ability to sing, you say, I don't have an opportunity. We will give you an opportunity here at Southside. You can sing with a praise team. You can sing in choir specials. Or you can sing a special on Sunday morning. Now, maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, well, or you have the ability and the talent to teach. But you're saying, no, I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Same thing as stealing. God's given you something that's to be used for His glory and for the good of others. Not for you to sit on and keep it to yourself. You say, well, there's no opportunities. I beg to differ. We have opportunities here. You can teach, fill in Sunday school. They'll want a program. uh, Discipleship training. You know, I had people say, hey, Brother Jim, why do we not have discipleship training on Sunday night? It's hard to have classes when nobody wants to teach it. Hello? Hello? I'm going to say it again. You can steal not only by taking something that doesn't belong to you, but by failing to use something that has been given to you for the glory of God and the goodness of other people. There's one other thing that God wants you to give to Him, and I know some of you know this is coming. It's not just your talents, but it's His tithe. Probably the most egregious example of stealing in the Bible is Malachi chapter 3 beginning in verse 8. God says, will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? He says, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Now don't miss the principle here that God's teaching using the tithe as an example. Let me explain. If someone has something that belongs to them and you take it from them, that's stealing. Amen? Everybody agrees on that, right? Well, if you have something that rightfully belongs to somebody else and you keep it, that's stealing. Same thing. Now, this is going to sound harsh. Church, you know I love you. I'm just going to tell you the truth. All right. Now, I want you to listen close. There is a lot of thievery going on in the church today. On average, on average, it's determined that church members today give less than 2.5% of their annual income to the work of God through the church. 2.5%. That's the lowest it's ever been in history since records in America of charitable donations have been kept. Do you realize, Christian, even during the Great Depression, it only dropped to 3.3%. Now, if this verse, this commandment, chapter 8, is true, that means that the average church member is stealing from God. Now, I know there are always going to be people they are going to say something like this. They're going to say, wait a minute, preacher, tithing's Old Testament. Well, good night. So are the Ten Commandments. Are you going to tell me you're going to refuse to obey the Ten Commandments because they're in the Old Testament? And then there's people that are going to say, well, now preacher, you know, we're under grace. We're no longer under law. Well, whoever said that because we're under grace, we ought to do less under grace than we do under the law. I'm going to tell you right now, friend, when your heart is caught and your life is captured by the grace of God, you will do more. You will want to do more. If you're sitting here right now, you have been an honest thief. I know that's an oxymoron, but listen to me. And you admit you've been stealing from God, not giving God his tithe, then I want to encourage you to start your tithe in the day. Quit stealing from God. Acknowledge that God is number one in your life, in every area of your life, including your finances. I heard Adrian Rogers say one time, told the story about a preacher. Went to baptize a guy, and, and the guy said, Oh, wait a minute, preacher, got my wallet in my pocket. The preacher just grabbed him, put him under the water. He'd come back up spitting and sputter and said, What's that for? Preacher said, All my ministry I wanted to baptize a man's money. And I finally got it. I want you to understand something, folks. And let me let me explain it this way. The opposite of stealing is not simply not stealing, the opposite of stealing is giving. See, the opposite of taking from others what you have not earned to satisfy your wants, the opposite of that is giving to others what you have earned to meet their needs. That's why Paul says, Acts chapter 20, beginning verse 33. I've coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. And everything I showed you, that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Christian, listen to me. Our responsibility is to release what God wants us to give him. Otherwise, we're stealing. And we're breaking this commandment. So first lesson, respect what God's given to others. Lesson number two, uh, release what God wants you to give to Him. Now here's the third and final lesson this commandment teaches us. Rely on what God has given to you. Let me tell you what the major problem with breaking this commandment is. The greater sin is not primarily, folks, taking what doesn't belong to you. The greater sin in breaking this commandment is refusing to trust to God who said He would provide everything that you need. That's why Paul told the the church at Philippi, Philippians 4.19, he said, My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now friend, listen to me. Christian, if you believe that one verse of Scripture, why in the world would you ever be tempted to steal? Go back to verse 1 and 2 in Exodus chapter 20, and you're going to see God reminds the people of Israel. He would already given them everything that they needed. He already provided for him. Do you know one of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. And I'm going to tell you something for 19 chapters in the book of Exodus, God proved that to the children of Israel. I am the God that provides. I am your God. I am the one that will take care of you. To the nation of Israel, he reminded them, when you got thirsty, I gave you water. When you got hungry, I gave you manna. When you were lost, felt like you were lost in the darkness, I gave you a light to lead you. And when you were in danger, I parted the Red Sea for you. I have already proven I can provide everything you need. When God gave this commandment, what He was really saying was, I don't want you stealing because I'm your provider. And I want you to live every day trusting I'm going to supply all your needs. Listen, you don't, and I believe God tells His children, you don't need to scheme, you don't need to manipulate, you don't need to steal, you don't need to cheat to get what you need. God says, I'm responsible for you, I will take care of you, trust Me. Trust Me. And that was exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 6, beginning verse 31. He says, don't take any thought about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what kind, of, what clothes you're going to wear. He says, the Gentiles, or I'll put it in modern language, the non-believers eagerly seek after these things. And he said, your Father knows that you have these needs. And in verse 33, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things that you need, they'll be added unto you. They'll be given to you. Stealing is a sin against God for at least two reasons. First of all, every theft is a failure to trust that He'll provide for your needs. Whenever you take something that doesn't belong to you, what you're doing is denying that God has or God will give you what you need. But secondly, stealing is also a failure to respect what God's provided for others. It robs what He's given to someone else that He wanted them to have. Now you may have never thought about this, but if somebody has something that you don't, It's because God wanted them to have it and not you or He to give it to you. Does that make sense? If you'll look at life that way, you'll take care of the last commandment we'll cover in a couple of weeks. That's why, and I'm going to stop right here, folks. I left the ultimate theft for last. If you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, that's the greatest theft of all. You realize when Jesus Christ went to the cross, by His own shed blood on the cross... He paid for our sins. That means He bought us lock, stock, and barrel. We belong to Him. And when we refuse to give to Him what He rightfully owns, then we are the greatest thieves of all. I'm going to tell you, when Jesus died on the cross, now this ought to be a comfort for any of us that's broken the Eighth Commandment. I think that probably covers all of us in here at one time. But this is a great comfort. You remember when Jesus died on the cross, He died between two thieves. You know what that speaks to my heart? That tells me that every thief who will trust Him can be saved by the God who will provide all that you need. All that you ever need. If you don't know Him, you need to know Him this morning. Would you bow your heads, please? Maybe this morning... You need to come forward and just humble yourself before God and pray. Ask God to forgive you of the stealing that's been going on in your life. Ask God to forgive you for not, for not having Him as first place in your life. Because I want to tell you something. If, if Jesus Christ is first place in your life, you won't steal in any area. You won't hold back from Him anything in your life. Most of all, if you're here this morning, you have never given your life, your heart and life to Christ. This is your opportunity. This is your chance. Surrender it all to Him. He said, I'll never leave you never forsake you. I will provide for you. I will give you everything that you need. You say, preacher, does that mean I'm going to be rich? Do you need to be rich? No, that's not a need. He said, I'll provide all your needs. Father, I thank you for the power of your word and for the truth of your word that uh, it guides us, it speaks to our hearts when we will listen. It guides us when we choose to follow. I pray for those today who need to make a decision. You have called them to make a decision, but Father, perhaps they've been holding back. I pray they'd surrender all this morning in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, River Puckett, come right up here, son. He comes this morning making it public that he's giving his life to Jesus Christ. I want you to turn right here. and just a minute, people are going to come by and shake hands and hug on you and squeeze cheeks and stuff, okay? And then, uh, also this morning... Matthew, come right up here, son. Matthew Brown comes making it public that he's given his life to Jesus. Now, several weeks ago, or it's been a, maybe a couple months ago, we had visited and, and he gave his life to Christ. and I said, the next step, just come and make it public before the church. He said in front of people. Uh, that's what he's doing this morning. okay? Thank God for, for adding these two young men to the kingdom. And to our church. So come by and let them know this morning. Don't forget, I think Brother Damon announced this, the Deacons meeting at 5 o'clock, guys. Anything else that we need to retouch on? Fellowship tonight, favorite soup, sandwich, etc., dessert. Uh, You know, just about anything you really want to eat kind of fits into the soup sandwich. Somebody said soup and salad the other day. I said No. No salad. That's a precursor. That means there's more food to come. Thank you, brother. Thank you. We do have an offering to take. I forgot about that. Folks, you be seated for just a minute. Guys, can I have you come forward to take this offering? What this is for, once a year, the BCM asks churches in our association to take an offering for their mission endeavors. Every year, Bentley takes a group of, of college uh, men and women to different places for a mission trip to uh, this year i believe they're going to cross timbers is that right which is a a southern baptist camp they're going to be redoing some of the stuff there and helping uh, build and take care of the camp and that's what this offering every penny of it will go to the heart of missions for the bcm steve would you lead us in prayer please